Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. My guests on the Goodyear Hotline, and today they will include D. Smith in 15 minutes, helping you understand what is a tumultuous time in pro football. Plus, we'll go live to Indy this morning. The list today is players who need a change and your hot takes coming up later this hour. All that and a whole lot more. Let's go. Here we go. Only one place to start. You got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow, up to Silk. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! It was 41 years ago today that Al Michaels spoke those words, and sports as we know them in this country were never the same. And if you are old enough as I am to remember it, you will never forget where you were when you watched on tape delay. The 1980 Miracle on Ice, the U.S. Olympic hockey team beating the Soviet Union on a Friday in the U.S. in Lake Placid, New York. They would then need to win one more. What people sometimes forget is that they had to win one more game to win the gold. That was not the gold medal game. They went on and beat Finland. I remember my friends and I were saying we got to finish the finish in order to win. And and they wound up winning that game on a Sunday. But here's the story I want to tell you about that experience and why I find myself thinking about it somewhat longingly today. Not because of what it meant for sports, but because of what it meant for something far larger than that. Here's the story I want to tell you. February of 1980, I was in seventh grade. And as I mentioned, they win that game on a Friday. The world went nuts. I mean, absolutely nuts. And if you're not old enough to remember it, it's hard to explain where we were as a country at that time. The United States in February of 1980 was a very different place than it would be a few years later and most of the years from then until now. So the celebration that ensued from them winning on that Friday night and then winning the gold medal on Sunday was unlike anything I've ever seen in this country. There's no national. It would have to be things like elections that have caused the kind of reaction one way or another from from an entire country standpoint. Nothing in sports has been like that. We've seen great moments, the U.S. women's national team winning uh, gold at the Olympics and winning the World Cup and any number of big things that have been a very big deal. But nothing has ever been like that. And under the circumstances, I'm not sure anything could ever be like that again. And the best explanation I can give you of how I understand it, and I will make this straight talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless, is that my most lasting memory of this is that on that Monday, again, I'm in seventh grade, On that Monday, we're in gym class. We're in the locker room before gym class. And spontaneously, a USA chant breaks out. We all just start chanting USA, USA and pounding lockers and all that kind of stuff. What makes that particularly interesting is that I was a student at the United Nations International School. That's where I went to school from kindergarten through eighth grade. So... My classmates, about half of them, were not American. That's a school where the U.N. diplomats' kids go. I grew up in New York City, and in New York, that's where the United Nations is, as I'm sure you know. And so if you're a U.N. diplomat from anywhere, and this is why my three best friends when I was growing up, one was from China, one was from Canada, and one was from Madagascar, because there were about half the kids were American kids like me, and about half were the children of U.N. diplomats. But every single person in that locker room was chanting USA in that moment of celebration. And it is something I will never forget. And it makes me very sad to think about it now that we live in a time 
where we can't seem to manage to be excited about anything together. But there were all these kids who were not American. Not only weren't they born here, they, they were not American kids. They were the children of diplomats who were stationed in the United States, and so this was where they went to school. But they watched that happen, and they felt enough a part of it. They felt connected enough in the same way we all did to be chanting USA on that Monday morning after a bunch of kids from this country did something that no one ever thought they had any chance to do. So that's the story that I have about that day and why that day 41 years ago for me will always be a very special one, as it will be for anyone who's old enough to remember it. And my overriding hope is that we can get closer to a place where we will have people from all kinds of different countries chanting USA over magnificent events, whether they come inside or outside the world of sports. Straight talk wireless, no contract, no compromise. All right, next up here are the takes. Greenies takes. All right, time for my takes here, and we're going to do yours a little bit later in this hour. Later in this hour, we will do your hot takes on the phones. Don't call now. I'll tell you when to call. I don't want you to wait on hold for too long. But here we go. I got three hot takes for you, and I'm serving them up hot. And they begin in the NFL. The two big quarterbacks who have been traded so far, both orchestrated their moves in different ways to ideal spots. Both are going to win super competitive divisions. And I would not be shocked if either one of them is in the Super Bowl next year. I believe those teams are that good. Right now, the Colts are 12-1 to at Caesars William Hill to win the AFC. Fifth in that conference. I think they're better than that. The Rams are six and a half to one, third in the NFC to win the conference. I think that's about right. I think they are right there with the favorites. It's Tampa, it's Green Bay, and it's the Rams with Matthew Stafford. And I will go one step further and say if Matthew Stafford, healthy, had been the Rams quarterback last year, I'm not sure they wouldn't have been in the Super Bowl last year. I'd like to see that game in Green Bay played over again with Aaron Donald healthy. He was a shell of himself, and he's the best player in the sport. So I think the Rams are that level of good. I think they have an excellent chance. I think Wentz went to the exact right spot. He may not be my favorite player, but he's no dummy. He orchestrated exactly the right move. I could see either or both of those teams making it to the Super Bowl that kind of soon. Next hot take. If Anthony Davis is all the way healthy, I think it is much less likely the Lakers get picked off on the way to the finals than the Nets. I know everyone's going crazy about the Nets. I know they went to L.A. and they swept the Lakers and the Clippers with a win last night and a questionable call at the very end on Kawhi. But what they beat was a Laker team without Anthony Davis. And there is no, the Lakers without Anthony Davis bear no resemblance to the Lakers with Anthony Davis. So I believe the Nets are the favorites to win the East. I believe the Nets will be in the finals. But to me, if you're telling me which of those would surprise me more, the Nets getting picked off in the playoffs or the Lakers with a fully healthy AD getting picked off, I will tell you right now, I'd be much more surprised if the Lakers don't get there. One more hot take, and this is my weekly reminder that Joel Embiid is the MVP of the league. His team is 20-10. and 10. They're the best in the East. He's second in the league in scoring at 30 and a half a game, plus 11 boards. Plus, under Doc Rivers, he is maturing into exactly the kind of leader he candidly has never been. He is, to me, the leading candidate for MVP by a fairly wide margin, 
He is actually the second favorite right now at Caesars, William Hill. Only LeBron has better odds. And again, Embiid would be the first center to win MVP since Shaquille O'Neal 21 years ago. And those are my hot takes. Again, later in this hour, we will take yours. I will tell you when to call. Don't dial them up now because we have a few pieces of business to get to before that, including up next, the one and only D. Smith. Are we entering a brand new time of player empowerment in the NFL? And if so, what does it mean for the game? And what does it mean for the fans? We will answer those questions and more. I'm just getting started. Glad you're with me on a Monday. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Greeny, the podcast. My name is Greeny, and this is ESPN Radio. I'm presented by Progressive Insurance. My guests on the Goodyear hotline, including the one, the only D. Smith, will join me in 30 seconds. He is the executive director of the NFL Players Association, someone I've known at this point. I can't believe how long it's been. Um, and there are a lot of things going on. My list coming up in this hour is going to be players who need a fresh start in a new place. And one of the reasons that feels so relevant is because of what's going on in the NFL. No one knows that better than D does. He'll join me in 30 seconds after this word from DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports. We've been talking a lot about their contests with huge cash prizes up for grabs. Couldn't be simpler to play. Each player has a salary associated with drafting them. You assemble a lineup of players. You stay under the cap. You sit back. You watch your points pile up. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using my name as the code. It's Greeny. New users get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code Greeny to get a free entry. Entry with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And as promised, again, it is my delight to welcome the executive director of the National Football League Players Association, Demoris Smith, who is with me on ESPN Radio. Good morning, D. Good morning, Greeny. How are you, brother? Oh, I'm fine. And I was trying to remember on the fly there how long it has been that we have been doing these conversations from the first time you came on, Mike and Mike. How many years have you been in that role? Uh, 12 years, if you're counting by a calendar, about 37 years, if you're <laughs> counting the, 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 the ulcer-lined stomach that I have. But um, I think neither of us needed glasses when we, when we first talked. But that's, that's fair. A lot of things we, we probably we didn't are. need then, yeah, and, and, and here we are now. All right, here, here's so many different things to get to with you, but this is, this is the biggest picture one, and, and then we can start working our way smaller from there. 
You hear it. I hear it. People are referring to what's going on around the National Football League right now as the quote-unquote NBA-ization of the NFL with players taking a level of control over their own circumstances that typically we have not seen in the NFL. It has been commonplace in the NBA. What is your sense of whether or not that is real and what does it mean? First, it is definitely real. And, uh, and, and second, it's something that, that I applaud. I mean, you'll, you'll remember when we first came together, uh, I was the guy from outside of sports. Mm-hmm. And, and to a certain extent, I still feel like I'm the guy outside of sports. But um, it's definitely a real thing. I love the fact that players are taking ownership of who they are in the business of football. And, and we've lived in a culture of football for so long that it seems as if um, when a player steps out, um, especially a player who's a, a generational talent, and says to himself that I want to exert the power that I have in order to, one, make my voice heard, but two, also to, to insist that management build a team that's competitive around me. Um, I think what you're seeing right now is, is players not only doing that, but also, interestingly, the, the pushback from the culture of football that you and I have always known, mm-hmm. where it was a version of you just simply go to work, you do your job, you keep your mouth shut, um, and you do what the coach says. Um, I love the fact that these players are standing up to use their voice. I, I find it interesting, the, uh, the snapback to that. When you say snapback, are you referring to media? Are you referring to fans? Are you referring to owners or all of the above? Uh, I'm going to choose D, all of the above. <laughs> um, uh, I think um, you're, you're seeing, a, I think, to a certain extent, a culture war. And, and I've always tried to pull myself out of individual player circumstances or individual player contracts. Look at, look at the frame. Um, I've been here for 12 years. You've, you've been doing this job longer than, than, than most. Um, you and I both know that not every team every year decides that they are truly competing for the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. We know that. Mm-hmm. And, and now we are seeing players stand up and use their voice, and they're actually saying, well, wait a minute. Am I now in a circumstance where I care more about contending for a Super Bowl every year than perhaps my owner? And, and again, I don't know whether that's true or not, but under what circumstances should we vilify a player for asking the question? Maybe um, that player believes that an owner is taking a view that he is just going to leverage his assets in such a way that his return on investment is measured by how many people he gets into the stadium versus how much money he is spending um, on the cap. And if he comes to or she comes to a conclusion that this is a year that I can maximize my ROI by not being um, as competitive as I need to be to contend for a Super Bowl, that's okay. The, the, The issue that I find interesting is that the only people who seem not to get it is some people in the media, um, owners who truly get it, but they just hate it, um, and and fans who somehow believe that um, players should uh, uh, be seen and not heard. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that, and, and there are some fans who feel that way. 
Here's one concern, and I'm not even sure concern is the right word. I asked this question to Mark Cuban, who's an NBA owner. I said, player movement and player empowerment has been good or bad for the sport. He said it's been great for the sport. That's his opinion as an owner of an NBA team. Here's the difference traditionally, D, between football and basketball, and that is in football, fans tend to root for the team as opposed to for the individual players. Like my son is 18 years old. He roots in the NBA. He roots for whatever team Steph Curry is playing for. He roots for whatever team LeBron James is playing for. He he roots for individual players. And that's not something we have traditionally associated with football. If Adam Schefter is right and 18 quarterbacks wind up on different teams over the course of this offseason, that I could see being something that might be a concern, that maybe that's the part of this that is going to take some getting used to on the part of fans. What are your thoughts? I agree with you, and I, I think I know where you're leaning. Mm-hmm. I, it's certainly not a concern. Right. Um, look, I can walk back to, to my office and, and pull out a newspaper clip that I keep from, uh, from Gene uh, Upshaw's file uh, where a sports writer wrote that free agency would kill football, mm. that the act of players moving around to different teams – uh, what are we going to do if I've grown up being a Steelers fan and I've rooted for X player and then something crazy happens and that player is on a team next year? What are we going to do? And castigating Gene Upshaw for um, advocating free agency movement in the National Football League. Well, you and I in 2021 would now look back on that article from pre-1993 and frankly call it stupid, right? Mm-hmm. So I look at Uh, player movement in the National Football League, any movement in the National Football League, as a good thing. Um, And and I do know that there is this tension underneath. It's probably a a, a philosophical tension between are we entertainment and are we a game? But going back to where we started with this, I I don't know the answer to that. And, you know, the answer is probably somewhere in the middle. But why should we ever castigate um, or, or discredit a player who's raising a concern that perhaps uh, team ownership is treating it this year more like entertainment and less like a competitive game where, where we want to try to win the Super Bowl every year. And, and for some of the people who are raising these concerns, um, those are the guys that, at least I've seen in the league, have been the guys who have been the real guys. The guys who come in, the guys who don't alienate themselves from other people on the team, guys who are active in their community, guys who compete um, on a level that um, that you and I would want to see in the National Football League. We're not talking about some of the guys who 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 might be taking it easy or flopping. Mm-hmm. You're looking at at this conversation from people who, in their core, believe um, in competition. And and why would I ever uh, not support them? I think the one thing they all should do um, for the players who are really talking about this issue, be explicit, be blunt, use your voice and articulate exactly what you mean to the public um, and to the media. And, and look, how they're covered is, is frankly a little bit out of, um, out of our control, my control. Uh, but I think that there is a necessity that they be authentic. D. Smith is with me on the Goodyear hotline, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear more driven. I fully agree with that. And I would go further and say, 
however it is they're being covered right now, will be long forgotten when the ball kicks off in September. I mean, that, we won't even be talking about it. But, but the guy that you're talking about there, or the perfect example of what you're talking about is Deshaun Watson, who is the highest profile yep. player who's in this position right now, who has hosted my show with me. You couldn't ask for a better person than he is. Couldn't. So, but he's couldn't. in the center of this thing right now. And I know there's criticism of him, and it just that just part of it is going to be what it's going to be. What, if any, I'm just curious, what, if any, role does the union play in this? He's sort of at a standoff with his franchise. They don't want to trade him. He wants out. We don't know exactly where it's going to go. Do you have any role in that at all? I mean, I don't certainly have a role uh, vis-a-vis his contract with, with, his, uh, with his team. The, the role that I think for the union is, is exactly why I agreed to come on your show today. Yeah. Um, every now and then, I think it's important to have um, a, a, a loud voice, let's just say a voice that the owners already hate anyway uh, <laughs> in me. Um, but having a loud voice, that, that's, that's, you know, firmly and, and, um, and powerfully stands behind a player like him. And, and, you know, we've done these shows for 12 years. I almost never talk about an individual player's circumstance. But every now and then, man, you, you have a guy that every fan wants to watch. Every fan believes is competing to the death. And if we're in a world where um, a player of the caliber, not only talent, but, but just the type of person he is, is being criticized for using his voice about being competitive, I, I think that's dangerous. Because whether we believe... Um, that this is truly uh, a game or truly entertainment, people tune in to watch players like Deshaun Watson uh, light it up. And, and I think it's unfortunate, the criticism that he's taken. But you and I both know um, when you speak truth to power, you better expect criticism. Yeah, and I think that's just part of it. I mean, fans like things to be the way they want them to be, and they're going to say what they're going to say. D. Smith with me on ESPN Radio. You said an interesting thing there that I want to ask you about. You said the owners hate you, and I have been, I've been talking to you long enough to remember times where there was real acrimony, right? I mean, real acrimony between yeah. the two sides. That's your job. But here's my observation. Yeah. The enormous undertaking that was putting together a football season in the middle of a pandemic— to have played 256 games and finished them on time, to have played a postseason the way you guys did, to have gotten to a, a fully satisfying conclusion in the Super Bowl— that had to require a degree of cooperation between not just you individually and Roger individually, but between the players yep. and everybody involved. That I wonder if you could address that and, and address if in any way it, it did change the nature of that relationship because sitting here again, I have applauded it on the air multiple times. How, how did it happen and what did it mean? Well, I... <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to say something that, that might result in me bursting into flames, of course. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I think the, the work that we did with the National Football League was one of the uh, during the pandemic was one of the best examples of labor and management coming together, um, honestly, in the history of business. Now, I, I, I think that that coming together to figure out how we were going to play. 256 games, I think having very difficult and let's just say some knockdown drag out fights over whether we should be playing at all. But once we answered those those moral questions, um, there was a very, very good working relationship. The the only thing I would say um, in order to go back to my regular combative self is um, 
I, I think one of the reasons we were successful this year is because we have had knockdown, drag out battles over health and safety in the past. And, and because we have had such contentious fights over health and safety. Take, for example, when you and I first talked in 2009, there were no concussion protocols mm -hmm. <laughs> in sport. Um, having a fight over that and that being a zero-sum approach over health and safety certainly aided us and aided this union to take a zero-sum approach about how we were going to address health and safety in COVID. So um, Roger has a very difficult job. Um, uh, he did a very good job. Um, I, I, I do think that it was a, a good lesson of leadership on, on both sides, our player leadership, owner leadership. Um, let's just say that there's still um, <clears throat> enough that where we disagree, where I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be invited to holiday parties or, or weekend getaways. I'm sure that's true. But I, I, there is something. <laughs> what's going to go down on the I'm telling you right now, whenever it is you retire, and I hope it's a long time from now, what is going to come after the first uh, comma is going to be Demora Smith, comma, who as executive director of the NFLPA managed to put together a, a professional football season without a bubble during a pandemic. I mean, Deese, I know that we all know that, but sometimes when you say it out loud, it becomes all the more yeah. extraordinary. And that that is going to be right there at the top of this conversation. Well, it, it I, I look back now and, um, you know, J.C. Treader uh, became our president in, in March before we ratified a collective bargaining agreement. He, he literally rolled out of um, rep meeting being elected from the floor, rolled into covid uh, and then we had to do two more collective bargaining agreements just to get the ball kicked off in, in August. At, look, you're right. It, it was one of the most difficult things, if not the most difficult thing I've ever done in my professional career. I'm going to be proud of it for a very long time. Um, and, and to your point about retiring soon, uh, I don't know when that's going to happen, but I know my wife is listening and she's just saying next year, <laughs> next year next year well, so, we'll, to her we'll i see. would say be careful what you wish for i mean you know you have, <laughs> <laughs> I, had my, I had four months off uh, in between jobs at one point and i can tell you it sounded like a good idea to my wife for about the first day <laughs> and after that yeah. it didn't seem like such a good idea well you know what we just get in the way yeah we we, we don't know the schedule we don't know the routine we we just frankly get in the way so <laughs> i'm sure i could I could live in the tent behind my house and, and just try to stay warm and be okay. Greeny and D. Smith with you presented by Progressive Insurance at Progressive. They're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your uh, home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. One more question for you of the serious variety. One of the big challenges that still face the sport um, is the issue of minority hiring, particularly when it comes to coaches. And I, I would ask you, after a cycle that had left a lot of people disappointed, and, and obviously there's been a lot of discussion, what do you hear from your players? Your, your role is to represent the players. What do you hear from the players of the National Football League relative to that? Um, I know we, we hear a lot, but Greeny, you know, I, I've always taken this job um, uh, as a role of teaching. Um, so we, we hear certainly a lot of complaints about players. The teaching moment, though, for players, to me, is, is a significant one. When you look at diversity in the National Football League, um, you see it amongst the players. Uh, this year, you saw the first um, all-black uh, officiating crew. Mm -hmm. You saw, for the first time, a woman officiating, um, uh, refereeing the Super Bowl. There's no coincidence that those Two entities are the only two entities represented by a union in sports, in football. The referees have a union. The players have a union. What comes from that? There is transparency. 
there is accountability. There's a system by which everybody knows um, how how hiring and, and firing occurs. So um, look, Gene did a did the yeoman's job trying to unionize assistant coaches. They never wanted to do it. Um, I made the decision during the lockout that if they didn't want to do it, this union wasn't going to support them anymore because there has to come a point where coaches, assistant coaches, want diversity and want fairness just as much as I and the union want for them. But you know what? I'm not sure it works if we want it more than they do. Um, The league, I think, has done a great job asking the union to help them on diversity. It's a conversation that we're going to start having with the league um, shortly after the combine. But but three points. One, no one knows really um, how coaches are hired in the National Football League. It's not transparent. Number two, it it lacks a a vibrant um, and robust pipeline um, into the National Football League. Um, Number three, I think we need to do everything to tear down barriers to entry. I mean, right now, you still have a system in the National Football League where if you are a junior coach on another team and you want to apply for a job on another team, even at the same level, you have to get the permission of your owner in order to even go interview for the job. Mm. I think that that's a barrier um, to, to entry. Um, and, and last, maybe this is the part where, you know, you and I and your show just blows up. We know that nepotism is alive and well among the coaching ranks Um, for the same reason that we have a whole bunch of coaches who weirdly have the same last name. I think it means that we need to have an accountability structure where there is one solitary person at the National Football League whose job it is to increase diversity. And we measure that person's success every year based on whether we achieve a goal that we all think is a good idea. Um, if, if, if we have a world where we know that coaches are, are getting jobs because of their last name, I think that necessarily means you need to have someone in charge of diversity and inclusion at the National Football League. Mm. You're right. That, that, that is something that will get a lot of people talking, and it's fascinating to hear you say it. I, I could do this forever. I'm up against it here. D, a pleasure. Thank you, for, as always, for the time. Always. Again, congratulations on having this season play out. It was a remarkable accomplishment, and I will see you down the road. Always, brother. You know, I look back. The last time you and I t- talked was George Floyd, and oh. um, I always enjoy your show and uh, certainly enjoy your heart and, and what you put into it. Thanks. Well, it's nice of you to say thank you so much, D. DeMora Smith, the executive thank director you. of the NFL Players Association. I have. I remember Mike and I interviewed him. I want to say it was the day after he got that job or sometime shortly thereafter, and I've known him that long. And he is a fascinating man and, and has uh, an enormous job here. And again, well, look, there's just obviously so much to unpack there. Let me take a break. I will come back. We'll unpack it. We'll move around a few things that we had planned, and we will roll on here on ESPN Radio. Back in just a moment on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? 
your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Greeny, the podcast. All right, well, that was just awesome. Greeny with you, and you're invited to a virtual fan Q&A with undisputed lightweight champion of the world, Teofimo Lopez. Tomorrow, it's free to all ESPN Plus subscribers. Visit ESPNplus.com slash QA for more details. Uh, just joining me, I don't even know where to begin. You, you just missed 20 minutes with D. Smith, the executive director of the NFL Players Association, who's a guy I've known forever and who, as you just heard there, is about as good an interview as you could possibly have. And I see it is already starting to pick up some steam out there in the world, and I think a lot of attention is going to come from that. So we'll move some things around that we were going to do here. We'll do calls a little bit later. We will get to your hot takes and mine and the green list. But I think there's a lot there that we need to react to. So let's start with, it's funny that what he said about com- combativeness. You know, one of the things that I had planned to ask him about, which I did, was how the, the Players Association and, and the leadership of the National Football League, meaning Roger Goodell and his office, and then all of the owners... You know, they, they have a, an acrimonious history of that. There is very, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. But it struck me that in order to pull off the Herculean task of having an entire football season in the middle of a pandemic and for it to be as great as it was, had to require a level of cooperation between the two sides that we've never seen before. And you heard him talk about that. So that was really good. And I thought that was really interesting. But the two pieces of this that are going to get attention both come from the coaching part. If you're just joining me, essentially, he said two things that are going to get a lot of attention. One of them is when I asked him about the idea of minority hiring, he said the assistant coaches have to want this as badly as everyone else wants it for them. And what he means by that is that for a long time, the NFL Players Association has been trying to encourage the coaches to have a union and they do not. The assistant coaches don't have a union, and so they don't have anyone representing them in this. Now, look, D is, take, is, is, is coming from the side of a person who is the leader of a union. So, of course, that's going to be his position. But it is an interesting way of looking at it, and, and there, I think, is a fear. I'm just throwing this out there. There's a very number of things. But I think there's a fear on the part of a lot of, of coaches of making owners mad because at the end of the day, this, this is a, a decision that 32 people get to make. There are only 32 such jobs on planet Earth, and there only ever will be. And so you can't make too many enemies if you're in that role. And, and if you are comp- your, your entire life is dependent on getting that opportunity. So the assistant coaching piece of this, I think, as far as the unions are concerned, that, that's going to get a lot of attention, and I don't know where it's going to go, but it certainly does feel as though it belongs in the discussion. And then the other piece of it is when he said, when you have head coaches and assistants who share their last name, then we know that nepotism is a problem and that the system is not as transparent as you might imagine it to be. You don't have to go very far to know who he's talking about there. The names speak for themselves. So that's going to get some attention, and we will see what the reaction to it is going to be. And here's what I will say about it. 
I have known D. Smith now for 12 years. He is as smart as anyone you will ever come across. You can love him or you can hate him. And he is well aware that he has a job that is going to make a lot of people hate him. So be it. That's his job. His job is to take the heat for a lot of others. Same as Roger. Really, Roger is standing there. So many people hate Roger Goodell. Roger, the primary reason you do is because he has to, t- he has to defend positions that are unpopular. He becomes the face of a whole lot of stuff that he has no choice in the matter. And D does the same. And so there you have it. Those are their lots in life. They get paid very well to do it. They're not complaining, and I'm not doing so on their behalf. But here's what I will say. His coming on this show today and saying those things was not an accident. I've told you before, I'm in this business 30 years, and in that time, I have stopped believing in coincidences and accidents. I don't believe in either of those. Nothing is a coincidence, and nothing is an accident. He wanted to come on here and make that point, which means expect that to become a thing. Expect that to become at the center of the conversation, not because I did such a good job, because he wanted it to be out there. And I think it is a reasonable thing to be out there. So that's a little reaction to the conversation that we just had here. It'll be up on the podcast later if you missed it. Again, they take this show and they make it into a podcast every single day. Hashtag Greenie is the name. It's available anywhere you, you, you normally find your own podcast that you enjoy listening to. Hashtag Greenie. They take each hour and make it its own individual one-hour podcast. This will be in the middle of hour number one. Okay, in order to sort of lighten the mood a little bit in the moment that I have here, there's something that I feel like I need to acknowledge here. I need you to listen carefully. I just want you to know. Okay. There's something I just want you to know. So for the longest time, I talked on the air, on Mike and Mike, about how I had a daily planner. I had the big book. My parents had given it to me when I got my first TV job. So in the spring of 1995, my parents gave me this big daily planner. And it's one of those where every year you like order the new filler and you just put it in there, right? And so you got the daily and the weekly. And I lived with that thing. If that thing had ever gotten lost, I would have been lost. My kids and my wife convinced me to switch over to the Reminders app last year, which I have done successfully. It was hard for me to do, but I leaped boldly into this millennium and I made digital my scheduling. And it has worked out just fine. But I did something this weekend that I feel I need to acknowledge to you. So on my Reminders app... I put all the different things on a daily basis. I need to do this, 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 the eight things. And there's a little circle for those of you who use it. And you click in that little circle and it makes the thing disappear. You can watch it disappear. And there's something incredibly satisfying about watching it disappear, right? You click that little thing. I've done that. Oh, I went to the, I went to Whole Foods. I went, all the things I had to do this weekend. I picked up my breakfast for the week. Anything you need to get done that you need to do, I need to do whatever it is. You get to touch that little thing. Here's what I find myself doing. Whenever I do anything and accomplish something that had not been on my reminders app, I go in there, I make a reminder to myself to do it, and then I click it as having been done. So there's really nothing accomplished in that. I've already done what I need to do. I'm not reminding myself of anything In that moment, I guess I'm reminding myself that I have accomplished it, but I'm not telling myself I need to do it later. I write it in, and then I click it as done. And I just felt I needed to tell you that because it's 
I recognize that it is probably the most ridiculous thing a person can do, but I can't stop. Back in a moment. Greeny, the podcast.